everybody. Welcome back to Woe is Media. And I don't know what you've been through, but we are feeling 22 this week. Episode 22 coming at you right now. Annabelle, tell us what is up. It's episode 22. We are well into our 20s at this point. We're not hopefully quite yet at the point of a quarter podcast crisis. Not yet. Um, not yet. <laughs> we'll, we might have to talk offline if there's any problems, but yeah, I got a good set of stories today. I will go ahead and preface that one of mine is um, a little, little dark in terms of the content. Not, it's not anything really grisly, and I'm not going to get graphic about it. But the topic that it broadly covers is a little bit more something that's not heavily discussed. Um, but it has to do with Apple and their current privacy dilemma. And then my second story I have today is about kind of how we're getting a very big economic shift toward worker rights, which is a good thing. So we're going to start with the the scarier stuff and end on the happier stuff. What have you got? Heck yeah. My first story is also not the uh, most fun in the world. It's not as dark as Annabelle's uh, content that she will be discussing today, but it's not fun. Um, It's upsetting to some, including myself, but she's kind of already guessed uh, what the first story is about. It is, we're going to be talking about the fate of Jeopardy, because as many of you know, since the tragic passing of my grandfather, Alex Trebek, we have been on the search for a new host. They're not related. (laughs) You don't know that. You have not seen my ancestry.com profile, (laughs) but Ever since his passing, they have been on the search for um, a new host, and they thought they found one, but recent dealings prove we are still on the search. And other than that, we are covering the latest developments in a new HBO Max movie that may be in development about who you ask. Well, you'll just have to tune in to see and hear. Cool. Cool. Okay, so I've actually gotten into the new habit, like Annabelle, of titling my stories because I'm having too much fun with them. And the first (laughs) uh, title is, Honey, You in Jeopardy. Good one. I like it. Shout out to Rue McClanahan. Rest in peace. I love her too. Uh, So Mike, Mike, Mike Richards Um, one week after securing the position of the newest host of Jeopardy, has resigned amidst past comment controversy, if you will. Originally an executive producer, he's been um, an EP for about two years, I believe. He was announced alongside Mayim Bialik as a full-time replacement for the late Alex Trebek. Many of you may know Mayim Bialik for her run on The Big Bang Theory. She's also an actual scientist like she has a doctorate and a phd those are the same thing i don't know why i said both but she's like killing it she like that's what i love about her because she was like i'm gonna go into acting but i'm also qualified in all of these categories so what they were trying to do it seems um in this new format of jeopardy was have two hosts to kind of share the duties and they are planning on continuing that uh now that richards is no longer uh considered a part of the family well i can't say that he's still going to be acting as executive producer which i'm not too thrilled about because you know if you taint the name of jeopardy you don't deserve to be there or associated with it in any way i would agree so What is the controversy, you may ask? There are resurfaced allegations of inappropriate behavior towards women, as well as controversial past statements about Jewish people, people with mental disabilities, and more. And many of these past comments are apparently stemming from a podcast that Richards used to be a part of that was produced between 2013 and 2014 called The Random show random spelled d-u-m-b at the very end so like dumb as a you can be dumb and comments yes and in a statement that richards has released in the wake of this 
tragedy in my eye. Um, he says, quote, it pains me that these past incidents and comments have cast such a shadow on Jeopardy as we look to start a new chapter. As I mentioned last week, I was deeply honored to be asked to host the syndicated show. I'm thrilled by the opportunity to expand the role. However, over the last several days, it has become clear that moving forward as host would be too much of a distraction for our fans and not the right move for the show. As such, I will be stepping down as host effective immediately. And as a result, we will be canceling production today. So what many um, may not know is even though it just became apparent that my Bialik and Mike Richards were named hosts, they've already filmed a week's worth of shows. Oh, are they going so, to air them or are those just going into the can somewhere? From what I found, they're still going to be aired. Um, he's just going to be considered like the host for the first week and then dip yeah. out the door like the temporary host that they've been doing yes and then they're going to go back to what they've been doing which is you mentioned it's going to be a re a revolving door of wonderful guests and whatnot and there was also a memo yes a memo released indicates the search will resume for a host to join malik um he will be staying on his ep as i mentioned which mm. also a the ringer which is a podcast that I'm familiar with. I, I'm pretty sure they have something other than the podcast, but that's what I know them from. I feel like they uh, have a, a publication okay. on their website. I feel like I've read some things there. I've okay, never listened cool. to the show though. Cool, awesome. So they further published an expose on Wednesday in which it was revealed that Richards made crude comments about women while hosting, yeah, the podcast, The Ringer. And it was meant to take listeners behind the scenes of The Price is Right, which he also worked on as co-executive producer for a while. I looked into basically his filmography or his resume, so to speak. And this man has made his life's work off of like game shows. Hmm. Like he's worked on a lot of game shows. And what this incident with the price is right stems from was there was a show model named brandy cochran who sued producers and it's worth noting that richards was not specifically named in the suit but he was acting as a producer at this time so we can assume that he was um a part of the problem uh she sued them for what i called conception discrimination what does that mean so she claims that after she announced that she was expecting a child, that she started being treated differently. Okay. I didn't know how else to call it. I didn't know if it was like natal discrimination. I didn't know if there was a word for it. So I just went with conception discrimination. Yeah. She did win her suit and was awarded $7 million in damages, but the case was overturned in 2013 and was later settled, I'm assuming out of court, because it didn't make any mentions of in-court settlement. And like I said, he did tape a week's worth of episodes before resigning, so he will be host for the first um, first week of this show season. Annabelle, do you want to take a guess at what number season this is for Jeopardy? 69? <laughs> no, we're not that far <laughs> along. Um, 38. I knew, I figured it was high. They're almost up there with Survivor. Oh my God. Survivor's at 41, people. Get like them. Get like Survivor. Um, and it just, this made me so upset just because, you know, there has never been really any like negative connotations with Jeopardy. Yeah, it's a very pure family oriented. Exactly classic timeless show and annabelle knows how i feel about jeopardy like i fun fact guys um the day that alex trebek died i was driving and back from houston to where i previously lived and i was in like wall-to-wall traffic and i just looked down at my phone and i saw the cnn alert and i cried in that wall-to-wall traffic while people watched me and it, that was that was a sad one it was a rough day in because the world. he was sick it wasn't you know mm-hmm. we know he was probably really really struggling and he worked like until the bitter end he did he, oh god and pancreatic cancer is like one of the most aggressive forms of cancer and he fought it for like two or three years and that is in itself a miracle and i'm just i'm so proud of him i have his memoir with me i haven't been able to 
read it all the way through yet just because I don't know if I can handle it. But similar to Richards, Trebek made his entire career off of game shows, which I think it's really interesting because, you know, not many people think of like a life's worth of career off of a game show. Right. It seems like a temporary gig for sure. Exactly. And even, even not just with one, but with multiple. So it's really cool to just like learn more about like what he did post Jeopardy, because that's mainly what many people know him for. And I would like to end this segment by saying this is the perfect time to bring LeVar Burton back on because he was a very highly sought after candidate for permanent host of Jeopardy. And when he wasn't announced as one of the main hosts, people were outraged, myself included. I wanted LeVar Burton up there. Was he a temporary host at one he point? He was. And yes. is he another production member? No. You don't know who LaVar Burton is? I don't. I'm sorry. Oh, my Lord. Did LeVar. you not have a childhood? Who is he? I'll give, you a, I'll give you a hint. I'm not going to sing it because of copyright issues, but take a look. It's in a book. Reading Rainbow. Oh, he was the host of that? Yep. Oh, I never knew his name. Yeah, LeVar Burton. That was also, it came on at like 6 a.m. I was not up that early as a kid. I was not an early bird then. I am not an early bird now. Oh, you didn't watch like VHS tapes of it in school? No, we did Magic School Bus. We didn't do Reading Rainbow. Oh, we did both. (laughs) Get a better education than me. It's fine. (laughs) No, I really didn't. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But like we, every, we didn't watch them all the time. Like it wasn't as um common as say like bill nye the science guy or magic school bus but every now and then they would show us like reading rainbow and it was always just like the theme song was popping everybody seemed to be having a great time on set like reading rainbow was the the shit back in the day and lavar burton has just been very open about his love for jeopardy and how much he wants this job he's like this isn't just a job to me like this is something that this is a show that I love and I want to bring my own creative spin on it and make other people love it. So that's why I'm like really excited. And I said, I was going to end on LeVar Burton, but I have one more thing to go off of. I don't know Mike Richards personally. I don't, but from the comments made by Richards and looking at his background, this is a white man, a straight white man from Burbank, California. And you want to guess what school he went to? Was it Berkeley? Pepperdine. Okay. So we can assume, you know, he comes from money and that in itself is privilege. But the fact that he also has like heterosexuality and the white man label to him, he just doesn't seem like a very cool person in my eyes because I've I've I read some of the statements I didn't want to read them like quote unquote on the show just because I knew it would like upset some people but it just comes from a place of you know ignorance and um I'm like I said I'm still upset that he's going to be considered for the executive producer role but you know I'm not in charge so I just have to deal with it at least he won't be on camera (laughs) yeah if I can make a comment on this I mean it it sounds like you said with his background and everything, he's definitely not bringing diversity to the show since he's the straight white male from California with a really pricey degree. Exactly. But I think in addition to that, I think a lot of people talk about cancel culture and how it's not okay to just hold people to such a high standard, especially celebrities, because, oh, they're just people, they make mistakes, they say stupid things. And of Absolutely. course, in a more public setting and for the most part I agree with that like we do need to be forgiving but it's one thing to say something stupid it's another thing to say something hateful yes for a a franchise like Jeopardy which prides itself on being family oriented and educational and not problematic from any angle I just don't think they have any business putting somebody like that as the face of the show Yes. yes not to mention the fact that like I don't know when I saw that he was the one who got the job and he was on the production team I'm like that's a little like right sketchy not that's sketchy but you know what I mean like he just sort of like 
slid in and in there with, like with no hosting Aaron Rodgers and Katie Couric yeah, like actual people who are faces of things like it, it makes more sense for somebody like Lamar LeVar Burton to do it I almost said um Lamar Jackson sorry no he's uh him too he's busy in Baltimore playing football <laughs> um <laughs> Um, it makes sense for somebody with hosting experience and I, I don't doubt Mike's passion for the show, but no. yeah. you don't want your host mired in controversy. So I think it's for the best that he stepped down and I yes. hope somebody like LeVar gets the job. And I, I really, I'm looking forward to seeing how Mayim uh, does with this now too, because she's a very intelligent individual, not just because of her degrees and whatnot. You can be completely intelligent and not have all those like things to back you up. So, and I feel that she seems to be that type of way. So I'm excited to see what she does with the role, like outside of this controversy, I'm excited yeah, for her. So mm-hmm. that's my first story. All right. Awesome. Okay. So my first story, this is like some of the, the grizzlier one I was alluding to earlier. So it was called Porn versus privacy, Apple's dilemma. Okay. So Apple has a new software update for iPhones that's going to be rolled out by the end of the year. And it has a new feature on it that detects child pornography images. Okay. Make sure that people are not hiding these on their iPhones because child pornography is highly, highly illegal and will land you in prison. As it should be. And it's really disgusting. Yes. On top of being illegal. Um. And nobody is really hating on protecting children and, you know, those images from being shared. But a lot of people who are privacy advocates have a lot of concerns with this new update because how are they going to detect the images? Apple is going to have to scan them, right? To see, they're going to have to look in your photo library and be like, oh, that is not what's supposed to be here. It's explicit and illegal and disgusting and this person is under you know under duress they have really bad stuff in their library underage and does not seem to be consenting to this photo being taken yeah absolutely but apple is you know we've seen those commercials where they're like no mind your own business why don't you mind your own business i love that commercial by the way i i love that rendition you just did thank you thank you i enjoy it every time my dog comes around begging for food i'm like can i lick the crumbs from your table (laughs) little sidebar here sorry i enjoy that commercial but the point of that commercial is privacy that's iphone that's what they always say right that's their thing yes we've seen in the media a couple years ago where that um that shooter on the base in Pensacola, he was, it was thought to be an act of domestic terrorism and Apple would not let the government get into his phone. Which is ridiculous. Yeah, I, I have mixed opinions about that too. I'm just under the impression that if there is a threat to other people's lives, you know, Mm-hmm. then I feel that, you know, some sense of privacy has been taken away. Not all of it, but like a, 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 a smidgen, if you will. Right. You know? Well, that's what we're going to get in here. Okay. Into here is how <laughs> they're going to go about this while still trying to protect privacy, because Apple obviously does not want to be like protecting child molesters and people who have child pornography, but they also don't want to, I mean, that's not most people with iPhones. Correct. So it's not necessarily fair, so to speak, to look at everyone's image library and be like, Yep. No, no child porn. You're good. But like, they've still looked at everything else. Mm-hmm. So it bothers people. Um, but what they're going to do, well, so they currently don't scan devices just for the record. No, Apple's not looking at your photos or your text messages or anything like that. They're not looking for child porn images. Okay, Other tech- thank God. So they haven't seen the 100 images of BTS. I have saved on my phone. <laughs> no, they have not. <laughs> um, and the memes uh facebook and other google and some other social websites they do actively scan for child pornography and they report it regularly but compared to those companies apple's reported like hardly nothing in terms of child pornography because they haven't gone looking for it Mm -hmm. um but there is a large database of like a national protection agency for you know children they have a big database of known child pornography images that are out there and what the tech companies do is they scan images that are uploaded onto their clouds and their platforms, and they'll cross-reference it with what's in this Mic database. 
okay and see if there's any matches so if it's a match that's obviously you know no, known child porn and that's not to say that this is a foolproof system because obviously that database is not all encompassing there's probably more stuff unfortunately out there that is not been captured by that database so that could potentially be caught off if it's not already in there so that's a problem um but that's what the other big social sites currently do and apple has not been willing to scan customer images on, on icloud because they say it's a slippery slope with privacy and they just they feel like it's kind of violating and your phone is your property and what happens on your iphone stays on your iphone right but there's in the digital world it's such a problem like child porn is seemingly everywhere and tech companies are under increased scrutiny and pressure to do something about it mm -hmm. so apple has come up with what they think is a really good solution so it's a little technically complicated i don't have all the nuts and bolts of it in my notes or figured out but okay. i'll kind of give an overview here um so what they're gonna do is they translate all of those images in that nitpick database where you know that's the known child pornography that's out there they're going to translate all of those into something called a neural hash which is basically just like a long string of numbers like a serial number basically okay and then they are going to do the same thing as pictures are uploaded to people's iClouds those are also going to be translated into neural hashes and serial numbers and then the hashes are going to be cross-referenced and compared to see if there are any matches. So if they show up two cross, if, excuse me, if two neural hashes show up as the same, then they're going to look at the image because it's it's probably child porn. Okay. Does that make sense? Kind of, yes. But they're only going to look at the image in the event that there are 30 plus hash matches in someone's iCloud. Not one, 30. So you would have to have up to 30 images of child porn on your phone that are in this database in order 30? to get caught. So Apple's not going to look at your BTS pictures. Thank God. But they're going to, you know, they're going to encrypt them and see, and BTS pictures are obviously not going to match with what is in the child porn database. So you're safe. Um, so, and if there's no matches, obviously, then they're not going to be looking at your pics because they don't care. Um, and all of this happens on your phone within the iCloud. The loophole here for, you know, people who enjoy child pornography is that they just don't have to use iCloud, right? True. If they just, you know, save it and don't back anything up to the iCloud, then it's not really something Apple can access. So that's potentially one way around it. Um, also in this update, kind of on the same like wavelength as the child porn security thing, um, it includes a parental control setting, like if for parents who, you know, get iPhones for like their middle schoolers or high schoolers, I guess, just people under 18. Um, there's a parental control setting where if a child is sent a nude message over iMessage, the image is going to be blurred. And then there'll be a confirmation for if the owner of the iPhone wants to see it or not. And if the kid clicks yes, then a notification goes to the parent. So but people are like, wait a minute, so you're not scanning all of our iClouds and looking at all of our pictures, you're just trying to find those, but you are looking at our text messages, you know, for, for nude images over iMessage. It's a little weird. It doesn't totally line up and it's confusing because they're kind of on the same realm with like inappropriate photographs, which in some cases are highly illegal but they're, both updates are being released at the same time. So there's been a lot of misinformation about what's going on, but one just has to do with child porn in the iCloud and the other just has to do with potentially getting nude photos through iMessage if you have an iPhone with parental controls on it, which a lot of people don't, so. I have a question. Mm -hmm. Okay, you might've already explained this and I'm just missing it, but how would they tell the difference between child porn and pornographic images of consenting adults? So I didn't really explain it, but the, the gist of it with my understanding is that they would tell the difference because consenting adult nude images are not going to be in that database. That database okay. is just known 
pornographic pictures of children and, and that is set out there as a reference for those tech companies to make sure that stuff is not on their platform. Um, a lot of people were up in arms about that. They're like, I don't want Apple on my phone looking at my nudes or nudes that I've yeah. received. And they're not going to do that. Um, also, like, not to get graphic, but a full-blown adult's body consenting is completely different physically from yes it is you're right I think they would hopefully know you know what and if there were confusion and if they see a picture of a consenting adult and they mistake it for a kid you know hopefully they would do their due diligence before anybody gets arrested because it's obviously not illegal to have pictures of consenting adults on your phone Mm -hmm. it's a little questionable but it's not illegal um hopefully they would do their due diligence so they wouldn't ruin anybody's life who's not you know guilty but um the only reason I asked that is because um many people will remember a few years ago when the whole porn debacle happened on Tumblr Tumblr, yep. and you have this whole like bullshit excuse of like oh these are female presenting nipples versus male presenting nipples and it's like it's a nipple you know but like one is considered like pornographic and the others not and mm-hmm. it, it was just a whole mess of a situation so that's why I was like how do we tell the difference yeah and OnlyFans has banned porn this week so there's a lot of porn in the news right now <laughs> do not get me started I I'm first of all I'm not a user of OnlyFans not that I would be a bad person if I am but the fact that this app was created and mainly you well I don't know if it was created for but mainly used by sex workers at the beginning of this pandemic in order to pay their bills and now they're banning them from this outlet I think it's absolutely trash and I think it's just another reason for people to hate on sex workers unjustly I'm sorry yeah that's a whole nother debacle I almost (laughs) did that as one of my stories I'm like no I can't do porn stories twice Annabelle I gotta I gotta clean it up for the second we see where your mind's at this week it's okay (laughs) (laughs) Um, no no no. I don't I'm not a user of OnlyFans again not an issue people are I don't personally use it I don't look at child porn either say what I don't look at child porn either you better fucking not I'm gonna beat your ass but I wanted to know Alyssa like obviously the privacy groups are kind of up in arms they think it's a slippery soap like oh now it's child pornography what are we going to be scanning for next so people are obviously worried, um, but what, what is your take on this? Are you worried about the privacy aspect of it? Do you think this is a good thing? Do you think there's a better way for Apple to do this? Maybe this is just my ignorance talking, but when everybody gets all up in arms about like the privacy situation, like, you know, I don't know what the government would be I know it would be like social security numbers or something like that but like in terms of my photos I don't I don't know what they could potentially gain in terms of like privacy like obviously like if someone has child porn on their phone they can learn that and hopefully pursue that person criminal federally and criminally but Mm -hmm. like you know if I have a picture if most of the pictures on my phone are like of BTS or like my friends like at a concert or something like I don't see the harm in it. Plus in in my mind, you know, as long as you're doing this for a greater good of tracking down disgusting individuals and pursuing them with criminal charges, I don't see the harm in it, you know? And once again, this is me admitting that I don't know all the facts of this situation, but from an outsider's perspective, this is how I feel currently. So, okay. Yeah, I think that's a good take. I am with you wholeheartedly. I think that most people have absolutely nothing to worry about here. I understand, Mm -hmm. like, if you just at a glance, it sounds scary to think about them scanning your photos and, oh, they have so much information on you already. And they do, I hate to break it to everybody, but they do have a lot of information on us. But in my opinion, like, some of the most heinous crimes that can be committed are crimes against children. And I really think it's important to do what we can to protect and defend them because they are pretty much defenseless and cannot protect themselves. And big tech companies have so much data that they have to handle it as responsibly as they can. And it's unfortunate that they're using that child, that people who consume child pornography are using these platforms for it. But I think 
the platforms have a responsibility to stop it and turn it in and you know get it off of their systems because it makes them look bad it's obviously illegal it's immoral you do not want to be supporting that type of criminal activity so i would almost go so far to say is it doesn't go far enough i don't like that it's only if there are 30 matches between your iCloud that seems like a very high threshold and again i understand that apple is all about protecting privacy but again i really think that like probably 98 percent of people who have iphones have nothing to worry about here so assuming that their translations with the neural hashes works fine I don't really see what the big deal is. And I think we all just need to be a little bit less paranoid and a little bit more understanding of how we're trying to help the youth yes. and protect them and you know, put people behind bars who are exploiting them. Also, I would like to say, like you said, you know, you have to put a wall up at some point, but yeah, 30 images to me seems way too many. Obviously one is one too many, but like, I would go as far to say like 10, if you have 10, like that is, that's That's like, or maybe even five, like. Yeah. I think their worry with that was in case there are images like of consenting adults that accidentally, like if if the people look alike or something like that, maybe that that could be an issue. Or if you just have somebody who's like, you know, if you have a, a nude of a of a 20-year-old on your phone who's yeah. of age, but maybe she's just like not fully developed or something like that. Yeah. You know, everybody's body's different. So. Because everybody's body's different and beautiful. But yeah, yeah um, that's that's my take on this. I think we gotta, this is a good thing. We gotta protect children and they they don't care about your BTS photos. They don't care about. I got some great thigh pictures. And if you harbor your own nudes or someone else's nudes of a consenting adult on your phone, we're probably not going to look at those either. So, mm-hmm. but that was my first story. So we're we're done with the porn, thankfully. Also, here here's a way to lighten it up. Also, recently, um, I don't know what dance it is or what song, what group sings this dance. But there's been a dance going around in the K-pop community where um, like an arm is swung in front of the body and the the wrist is like lax. And when you pause it, it looks like the symbol for mine and Annabelle's sorority. So I have a lot of pictures of random like K-pop idols doing that dance, like popping Ah. the gamma. (laughs) That's funny. Those are in my feed. You did send us one of those and we were like, why are they popping together? You were like, what are they doing? How'd you get them to do that? And I was like, I didn't. That's the magic of this whole thing. You just pause and they're doing Mm -hmm. it. But yeah, sorry. I I thought you'd find that interesting. (laughs) That's what's in my camera roll this week. Okay. So my next story also has a title and it is as follows. Black Canary Flies Again. That's a very dramatic title. Thank you. That's why I paused for dramatic effect. I like it. So it has been announced that a Birds of Prey spinoff film centered on Journey Smollett's character, Black Canary, is in early development at HBO Max with former Lovecraft showrunner Misha Green writing the script. Nice. And this is really cool because Journey Smollett and Misha Green have worked together in the past because journey smollett was a main character in lovecraft country and we'll get to its unjust canceling in a few minutes but i think that's really cool um i literally wrote in my notes reunion project since lovecraft was wrongly canceled after one season so (laughs) we know how i feel um green and smollett have confirmed this news but entertainment weekly reached out to hbo max and dc separately and at the time of this recording, both have yet to respond for comment. Um, and I did a little bit. Have you seen Birds of Prey, Annabelle? Uh, they filmed it near my apartment. <gasps> so you could have it. gotten Journey Spillett's number for me and you didn't. I, I didn't. I was out of town. They sent us an email at my apartment and they were like, did they run away? They're filming a movie. That's so cool. It. Yeah, we found out later as Birds of Prey, but I was about to ask, like, I'm sure they didn't say like what film. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they were just like, oh yeah. Um, okay, so 
I'm not the biggest superhero film buff person in the entire world, but I do enjoy them from time to time. And I would like to say that I was pleasantly surprised with Birds of Prey. I had a lot of fun during it. I thought the costumes were fun. I thought the acting was good. I thought the storyline was well-conducted and put together. Like like I said, the soundtrack was bopping. Um, So I was really excited to hear more about this because I had never really paid attention to Journey Smollett. Obviously, I knew about her in the past and I thought she was cool, but I didn't really know anything about her or had seen much. I was thoroughly impressed with her in this movie alongside Margot Robbie and um can't remember the beautiful woman's name it's gonna bother me why can't I remember her name right now Mary Elizabeth Winstead yes Mary Elizabeth Winstead uh, as well as Rosie Perez and the other characters but I really liked you know the girl powerness of it all but it didn't to me it didn't feel preachy like it felt like women living their lives you know, obviously in a crime fighting setting, but also like being authentic. They're not trying to like be like men suck, women move. Like it felt genuine. They're just doing their thing. Yeah. Yes. Isn't this the sequel to Suicide Squad? It's like a spinoff. Okay. So it's so what we're talking about now is like a spinoff of a spinoff. Gotcha. And because that's what they do in superhero communities. Yes. And it's very confusing right now because the original Suicide Squad was back in 2016. And now right. there's another Suicide Squad movie out right now. And both have Margot Robbie in it as Harley Quinn. And it's it, it's a little confusing. Yeah, I saw that. And I was so confused. I'm like, didn't this come out five years ago? No, it's a different movie. And it's Suicide Squad and then The Suicide Squad. Right? Yes. They put an article in front of it. Correct. It's a different movie though. Yes. Um, I never saw the first one because the reviews were terrible. Uh, but from what I can tell that this current one that's out right now was much more successful. I don't know if it's the best movie ever made, but it's definitely doing better than the first one did. Um, so it was really fun. I'm looking forward to this and I didn't have much about this because it's like fairly new news. And since HBO Max nor DC had commented yet, I thought I'd do a little uh, devil dive into uh, Black Canaries as a character's background. Sure. So she first appeared in 1947's Flash Comics number 86. And she has been portrayed in the comics not like in like film but she has been portrayed in the comics by two different women dina drake and her daughter dina laurel lance and journey smollett's black canary is the daughter dina laurel lance okay the second generation yes her skills include being a master martial artist and a expert at hand-to-hand combat she also has an ultrasonic screen which yeah which um inspired the name canary Mm -hmm. and it's cool because in birds of prey journey smollett is actually a lounge singer like that's her job outside of kicking ass and taking names gotcha so and she's she also has a ability that is called like flight glide but as far as i can remember from birds of prey that has yet to be explored in the dc universe movies so we'll have to see if that does get um more more to do in the future also i included this part because i thought you you would enjoy this um not only is she a master at hand-to-hand combat but she has mastered the styles of aikido boxing capoeira i knew it i knew it i knew it was coming hapkido judo jujitsu kung fu krav maga muay thai shurite and wing chun she's got she's a woman of many skills she is and like when you see one i'm gonna go on my thirst trap uh soapbox right quick but when you see journey smollett kicking ass in birds of prey looking the way that she does and singing the way that she does cinema (laughs) (laughs) so she first appeared as a crime fighter who purposely infiltrates criminal organizations to break them from the inside and i'm not going to get too much into that in case anyone here hasn't seen birds of prey i.e annabelle and you want to watch it i don't but our our listeners might 
yeah, you know, I'm going to leave it at that. She in the past has been trained by Cassandra Kane and Wonder Woman and has even bested Batman in hand-to-hand combat at one nice. point in her career. Nice. She has also been portrayed as an expert motorcyclist, a gymnast, and an investigator outside of, you know, the breaking the criminal organizations from the inside. She has also served as the field commander for the Birds of Prey unit and the leader of not only the Justice League, but the League of Assassins for a period of time. Nice. She is ranked as the 71st greatest comic book character of all time by Wizard, 81st greatest of all time by IGN, and this one I kind of rolled my eyes at, but I thought it included anyway because I, I agree with it. Number 26 on Comics Buyer's Guide's 100 Sexiest Women in Comics. <sighs> okay. <laughs> But like I said, like, I was like, I I can't dispute that. She was beautiful. So outside of Smollett, Canary has been portrayed by Elena Huffman, Katie Cassidy, AJ Mashaka, Gray Delisle. Yeah. Voiced. Voiced. But that still counts as portrayed. Gray Delisle and Lori Laughlin. (laughs) I know who that is. Yeah, you do. And over by all of these people, these, she has been portrayed in content other than Birds of Prey, such as the Lego Batman movie, Smallville, mm-hmm. Birds of Prey, the show, which was actually an animated version, kind of similar to um, the uh, Batman Beyond series from the 90s, like in that sort of animation style mm-hmm. uh, in the early 2000s. That's was when that was on air. Batman, the Brave and the Bold, Young Justice, Arrow and the flash nice. so she's she's covered a lot and i don't feel as though um i had a friend in high school that was really into arrow so obviously i knew about black canary but i feel like outside of birds of prey not really many people talk about her and i she didn't know really, who she was yeah yeah see so i she's really cool like when you read her like character biography and all the things that she's like been involved with in the storylines of the comics it's really cool and i'm thoroughly down to see what Misha Green and Journey Smollett um, come up with in the future. Because once again, a travesty that Lovecraft, Lovecraft Country was not brought on for a season two when it was nominated for multiple Emmy Awards and it had an all person of color cast and it was different and it was interesting and it was doing something that not many shows you know, do these days, but it, and from what I can tell their production elements of season two had already begun, but you know, that's America. That's the, that's the industry. So I'm not bitter. Sorry, girl. That's it's okay. That's fine. But so yeah, that's black canary. Very nice. Well, thank you for enlightening me. I, um, I can't say I'm going to run off and watch black canary as Alyssa knows. I'm not I just can't keep up with the superhero stuff. There's so many movies and backstories on backstories and spinoffs on spinoffs. And I respect the community. I think they're obviously very well-made movies and they've certainly turned them into cash cows, but they're not getting my cash because I just, I can't keep up. No, it becomes, it, I don't want to say elitist, but it almost becomes like a members only club and both Marvel and DC, honestly, when you see how much content is being created and how you can't just jump into the middle of them, you have to watch from the beginning in order to know every single thing that is going on. Right. So which is just, it's like gate capped a little bit. Yes, exactly. It's, it's very, it's not feasible for many people. So I totally understand that and no, no harm, no foul. Foul, get it? Foul, huh? right? Yeah. Is that on purpose? No, I legit just was like, oh, wait. <laughs> okay, so for my final story, I've got a alliteration-filled title here. So it's Ooh. called "The Structural Slide to Stakeholders." Ooh, we. So a brief, brief vocab lesson here before we dive yes. into it. Mm-hmm. So there's something called shareholder capitalism. Okay. Shareholder capitalism is the idea that companies exist solely to make money for their shareholders. So people who own the stock, right? It's that a very narrow, narrow view of looking at capitalism, but it's kind of been the dominant way since the seventies, like 
companies are always like, oh, we can't do that. It'll piss off our shareholders or, oh, we can't do that. It'll tank the stock price or something like that. Like that's constantly in the back of the minds of the management of corporations. If they're publicly traded, they're like the stock price, our shareholders, because those people do have a lot of power because they are the owners at the end of the day, the management and the owners are separated in the form of a corporation. Mm -hmm. When it's small businesses, obviously the owners and the managers are the same people, but it's a little different with corporations. And that's why this has been the big thing in the economy because these major corporations are obviously controlling a lot of the economy, Mm -hmm. the flow of goods and services and stuff like that. Yes. But there's something else that exists in the world of capitalism that is slowly gaining ground and it is called stakeholder capitalism. Okay. So a stakeholder capitalism is just the idea where companies have to serve the interests of all stakeholders. And a stakeholder can be anybody from the customers who buy that company's products or services, their suppliers and wholesalers that they work with kind of on the internal side, shareholders are still included in this. And most importantly, employees are included in this. So it's a more all-encompassing definition where it's not just about the money it's about everything that goes into making the finished product and ultimately what makes the company stand strong because okay. nothing can be done without the labor that runs the company you know at the end of the day mm-hmm. so and slowly capitalism is seeming to be shifting to this because right now the the labor forces share of corporate profits is on the rise so like let's say a business made a million dollars and maybe beforehand workers maybe saw like I don't know, 500,000 of that and their salaries, it's been going up. So it's going up from 500,000 to 750, 750 to a million more. So they're getting a bigger slice of the pie, which is a great thing because these are, you know, for the most part, hardworking average people who need to support themselves. And that's why they work so they can make money. Um, So we've kind of been seeing a slow shift to this. And within the economy, the importance of workers is finally being realized and how important the labor force in a company is on how the bottom line goes. So the more money a company makes, it's probably because, you know, the employees were more productive. They spent long hours. They were really helping their clients, like whatever the business model is, more profit usually comes from, you know, your labor source. Mm-hmm. So, and this is finally kind of being realized. Um, and the SEC is realizing this as well. And they kind of want to hold companies accountable for it. So SEC, not the Southeastern Conference for the the Securities and Exchange Commission, the less fun SEC, but still a lot of power. The SEC chairman, Gary Gensler, he has requested that SEC staff begin coming up with a human capital disclosure requirement for public companies so that investors can better understand how a company treats its people. So human capital means like human resources, basically, like the cogs on the wheel, so to speak, who makes up Mm -hmm. the ultimate corporation. So he wants public companies to have a disclosure about how their companies are treating their employees. It's, it would potentially have, you know, metrics in there, like work first turnover. So how often do they have to hire new people because people are quitting or leaving for other reasons or getting promoted? Um, Skills and development training, how much of that is going on at the company level? compensation, benefits, health and safety, and diversity. So those are all potentially things that would go into this human capital report. And it'd be a more holistic part of what goes into the quarterly statements that are filed every quarter by these big corporations. When they do their earnings releases, there would also be a section on the human capital aspect of it too, okay. which is pretty cool. It's, that's never been done before. Um, it's not something that's required to be disclosed. Um, and because these big companies don't have to disclose anything but their financial information, you know, why would they, unless they felt like it was going to increase their stock price. There's no reason to talk about, I mean, that's why there's no section in the Amazon report about, Oh, our workers like don't go to the bathroom because they're working really hard to get you their stuff in two days. You know, nasties. The free shipping. Like if there were human capital requirements, like Amazon would probably be in some pretty deep trouble. As we know, we've heard some horror stories, obviously. Multiple. But, and I'm sure they're not the only company who would be in jeopardy there. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but it's important to start including this because 
even though the shareholders are ultimately the ones with power and controlling the stock price by buying and selling, they are going to be negatively affected when companies don't invest in their workforce. Because if they're not investing in their workforce, they're going to be less productive and less value is going to be created for the shareholders, which is why companies go public to create value for the shareholders and raise capital through equity that way. Ah. Um, Lessons for another day, but it benefits everybody is what I'm trying to say to have this requirement and be more transparent about how companies are treating their employees. Um, And why now? Like, why is this suddenly coming up now? So the shift is kind of being pushed by a really tight labor market. We've seen places are hiring, especially in like the food and beverage industry. A lot of businesses right now have had to reduce their hours of operation or close because they cannot keep employees on staff. And a lot of people are like, oh, that's so sad. This business closed. Like, that's not fair. They just can keep any, nobody wants to work there anymore. Like they're making too much of unemployment, blah, blah, blah. The other side of the coin is, well, maybe they closed because they weren't treating their staff very well. They weren't paying them. They weren't protecting them from COVID. They weren't putting any sort of measures in place where they could grow and maybe go up the ladder. People need those things. They want that personal growth. They want to be able to make achievements. They need to be able to support themselves. God forbid people look out for their physical safety, especially right now. How dare they? So in my opinion, maybe this is very, um, I don't know, what's the word? Uh, Machiavellian of me, but I kind of say to heck with those businesses that are not, that are failing of staffing issues because there's probably something they, sh- they could have and should have done better Yes, in order to retain talent. Um, not to say that people, that there are obviously like lazy people out there who just don't want to show up for their shift. There are obviously people who just don't feel committed to companies. Maybe they just want to leave and hop around and see what they can do. You know, it doesn't, it doesn't yeah. matter. But on the whole, there's never on the whole, it's important for companies, no matter how small or how large, to treat their employees well is the bottom line. Yes. So I'm off my soapbox, sorry. I love it. But going in a little bit more to the human capital disclosure requirement, um, key areas that businesses should probably focus on for this report would be turnover, internal promotion, wage assessment. So like, are wages going up with the cost of living? How often are people no. getting raises? Or, yeah, no is the short answer. Sorry. Um, are people getting raises? Or, are people kind of stagnant in terms of their earning potential? Stuff like that. Um, and in addition to that, um, they really want to know about like education benefits, which is kind of cool. Like I've seen a lot of things at McDonald's where it's like, oh, tuition reimbursement up to five grand or whatever. I don't remember the exact number, but that's kind of been a big incentive for a lot of companies right now in this tight labor market to kind of get people to come on to staff as, oh, we'll help you with your tuition, Mm -hmm. but you have to get that if you stay. So it's kind of realigning incentives to get people to stay, but to take care of them a little bit better too. Yes. And to help them more from, you know, an education, like a well-rounded perspective, which is a good thing for sure. Um, And it's been proven that upskilling workers, so just providing them with more skills and, oh, we're going to send you to this conference to learn about this. We're going to help you enroll in this certification class to learn X. We're going to help you do Six Sigma. We're going to do CPR training, like whatever. Learning skills can really lead to internal promotion for workers. So the more training and development you give them, the more likely they are to stay and move up the ladder with those skills. So obviously you can't, train and develop all the time but that's a pretty good thing for companies to kind of invest their time and their money in um just so people are feeling more satisfied at work and obviously moving up the ladder and they're kind of retaining that talent um there's also some problems in growing business segments like food and beverage because it's booming and it's growing but they can't find anybody to work in that industry and it's an issue for multiple reasons but those jobs, a lot of them are not very desirable jobs. Um, they don't pay very well or they're very like demanding physically. And I don't know if you know this, Alyssa, but this generation, millennials and Gen Z are actually like the most educated of generations right now. Everybody, that's why student debt is so common. I was about to say, yeah. Um, but the boomers, the older generation, they are significantly less educated than us. 
So in past years, the boomers who were not college educated, they worked in the food and beverage industry and they were fine doing that because you know they didn't have the education. It was a good job for them. They didn't feel like they needed to do anything different. They were okay doing stuff like that. But with Gen Z and millennials, it's a little bit more of a white collar heavy generation because we have the education. So we're like, why would we work in food and beverage? I have a master's. I'm not going to do this. Yeah. It's very othering. Yeah. And it, it, I don't mean to sound like snotty or elitist, but that's just the general kind of trend with the generations right now is but it, education. it does suck when you put so much effort and so much money into getting these degrees and then you can't find a job anywhere. It, yeah it does suck. Like it does suck. It. And it's, you know, not ultimately fair, but it's a very like top heavy yes. you know, market right now where there's a lot of qualified candidates and maybe not necessarily enough spaces for them. But also it's funny how you mentioned how boomers used to work in food and beverage more often, but yet they don't seem to have any respect for those who do it these days. Yeah. You're not wrong. Um, <laughs> you're definitely not wrong, but because it was harder in their day. So that's why they don't treat these people correctly. It was what? It was harder in their day. Hello. Of course. Yes. No, that, that, that is just that, sorry to go off on a tangent right quick, but that is just like, it's like, it's a job just like what you do, Mm -hmm. not you, but like in general, like it's just like you do. Why can't you respect them? They're trying their hardest and it's more physically demanding than what some of us do on a daily basis. Definitely from what I do on a daily basis. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. And like, I know what you're about to say here, um, but you know, having financial hardships can affect your mental and also your physical health. Heck yeah, it can. Oh, I thought you were about to say, and water is wet. Well, it do be I mean, wet, nobody. <laughs> nobody needs to be told that you know being having financial hardships is going to be hard on your mental health because, uh, but that's that's also like a problem that companies are facing when they're not paying people enough like their employees are going to have poor mental health poor physical health and then the overall performance is going to decline and it's sort of like a trickle up effect so to speak like if the people doing all the actual labor are you know down bad then the company's not going to make any money down so, bad and that's why it's a lot more evident in small businesses. And that's why we're seeing a lot of them either closed or help wanted signs because that impact is faster because they have a smaller staff and obviously there's less money to be made. Does that make yeah. sense? Yes, it does. So yeah, there's a lot of pressures right now from organizations that focus on what's called ESG, which is environmental, social, and governance. And they're really hoping that you know, investors are looking into this a little bit more. And a lot of investors are, you know, considered ESG investors where this is what they're focusing on. So maybe they would buy stock in Starbucks because Starbucks pays its, you know, its employees a livable wage. They get healthcare, stock options, a lot of other benefits. Free Spotify, which is really nice. Um, Heck yeah. They get free, free drinks during their shift and then they get one on their off days. So Maybe they would invest in a company like that versus, you know, I don't know what McDonald's does for their benefits. So I'm not going to go out here and say, don't invest in McDonald's because I haven't looked into that. But, you know, if there are other companies maybe like McDonald's that perhaps don't have those types of benefits for employees, you would want to invest in a Starbucks versus a McDonald's. Yes. So that would be like ESG investing. So it's kind of a cool phenomenon. I like it. Um, Warren Buffett always says you want to invest in companies that you are familiar with and that you understand. And this is kind of a, another component to that you understand and you like, and you can support on like an ethical level, if that makes sense. Yes. So, yeah. And this is also just kind of, not only is the labor market really tight right now, but the birth rate is really low and the boomers who are a massive generation are retiring. So there's just kind of like less people in the workforce right now. And as we talked about how Gen Z and millennials are the most educated people right now, they're not super willing to do kind of the more blue collar jobs, even if those are what's really kind of being in high demand right now. So we've seen a lot of wage growth in the blue collar sector recently because there's such demand and it's just hard to keep people on staff. So, but yeah, I think this is ultimately a good thing. I think it will hurt some companies. Um, And again, not to be too cutthroat here that I kind of say like, 
you know, if you're not going to take care of your people, you don't really deserve to be in business. So I just think companies need to bite the bullet and really invest in their human capital requirement if they have not already. And I really encourage the SEC, if they're listening to this podcast, to come up with a human capital disclosure requirement that companies would put in their quarterly statements. Okay, I got two things for you. Yeah. Uh, first, when you said like, oh, that, that just sucks, you know, maybe you should like pay a livable wage and have better like things. It made me think of, um, that's too damn bad. <laughs> I'm tired of paying you money. That's too loud, Grandpa. <laughs> so that's what it made me think of. Also, the whole time you were talking about the SEC, I uh, learned something interesting this week. Mm-hmm. Um, I met this person that went to A and M, like a, re- a fairly recent graduate, like last five years, and they they were like, "Yeah, I was considered a two percenter," and I was like, "Like milk? What are we talking about here?" And like they- the top two percent. No, they explained to me that apparently at AM, neither one of us went to AM, just to be clear. We're both no, UGA grads. We don't, we, I, I'm a Texas fan. I don't, I don't mess with the Aggies, but I can befriend an Aggie. I just don't root for them. But apparently at Texas AM, they have so many traditions mm-hmm. um, when it comes to just like not only sports, but just student life. And apparently those that don't participate in like every single tradition are called two percenters because the top 98% participate in everything. And I was like, so what are you referring to? And this person said that legitimately one time they left a home football game early and people hissed at them. Oh, so the tradition is to stay the whole time. Yeah. Like you don't leave. Okay. And if you do, apparently you get hissed at. And you're in the two percent. Yeah. Huh. That was just a weird random fact about the SEC I learned this week. Were there any um traditions that you did not blame him or her for not participating in? Um, they didn't really go into specifics. I'm sure if anyone is listening and you're an AM fan, please let us know. Um, the only one I know about heavily is the bonfire. Mm-hmm. Bonfire is a really big thing for AM and there was a tragedy um, back in either the 90s or the early aughts uh, where people actually ended up dying in a catastrophe involving the bonfire and it actually got banned from school grounds. So when it finally got brought back, they put it off like out in the country country. So it's not on school property anymore and it's not a school sanctioned event anymore that I believe, but people still do it. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's like, it's literally like the pictures that I've seen look like the witchy poo shit from that one scene in Greece. Oh my gosh. Yes. <laughs> That's funny. So, but yeah. All right. Do you have anything in your smile file this week? I'm honestly, I need to rename this what I've been watching this week because it's just been that for the past few weeks or what I'm listening to. Um, I watched the entire first season of Cruel Summer mm-hmm. this week. Uh, which was it's on freeform and it just got done airing at the beginning of June. I believe, I think I went back. I thoroughly enjoyed it. I'm not going to like spoil anything for anyone, but if you like like period mystery pieces, like it takes place over three summers, 93, 94, and 95. And it focuses on these like two girls and one of them's like a geek and she like, it's not very popular. And the other girl's like, you know, Miss All-American. She has everything that she could ever want, or does she? And Miss All-American goes missing for a year, like in 93. She shows back up in 94, and she claims that nerdy, bookish girl knew things about her kidnapping and didn't tell the police. So that's all. That, that's not any spoilers, but it's really interesting. And I enjoyed watching it. Um, Olivia Holt's in it, and I've I really like her. Um, she's a great actress, like a, very, a younger generation actress. Um, do you know who Kevin Smith is? I think so. Like Clerks, Jay and Silent Bob. Uh, nope, never mind. Okay, no, you're fine. So Kevin Smith is an actor from the 90s and early 2000s, and he's famous for Clerks and this character that he does called Silent Bob with this other guy. And his daughter is in it and I'm actually going to tie it all around because his daughter's birth name is Harley Quinn Smith. Wow. Boom. Mic drop. Mm-hmm. And she's actually a really great actress. I thoroughly enjoyed it. And it's funny because in the middle of the show, she makes a reference to clerks. 
which her dad got his big break in. So I thought it was cute. Nice. I, I, I liked it. Cute. I liked it. Um, hella gay, much more gay than I thought it was going to be, which was a great surprise. So yeah, I was going to say, it sounds like your kind of show. The gay shit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that period piece gay shit. Annabelle, what about you? Um, we officially have one month left until Survivor season 41 premieres. Today is the 22nd, as of this recording. Survivor airs Wednesday at 8 p.m. on CBS. I am really stoked. It's been over a year since they've put out a new season. Jeff Probst, I love you. I'm so excited. I get to watch this year, too. You do. You don't have to go to bed. Yeah. I'm excited. Oh, God. This oh, this is going to be good. Uh, do we know anything about the... Um, is there any twist this year, or is it just a standard game? So- it's a shorter game. Okay. It's 26 days because <gasps> the team had to quarantine, you know, in they, they're still filming in Fiji. It's not like they, they local or anything like that, but they had to quarantine for two weeks. So they cut the game shorter so they could quarantine without having to extend production time. So it's a 26 day game. We don't know of any like twists so far. Um, it's an 18 person cast, three tribes to start. This is not a Survivor podcast, but this is what we're talking about. <laughs> 26 days, 18 people, people one, one Survivor. Just don't roll off the tongue like 39, 20. Uh, it really doesn't. It really doesn't. But we're excited regardless. In Jeff, we trust. It'll In Jeff, season. we trust. Light the candle. <laughs> yes. I'm going to say my prayers later. <laughs> All right. All right, well. guys. Thank you for joining us for another episode this week. Hopefully you liked this one, despite some of the grislier content. Um, sorry for our tangents, but those were a lot more enjoyable than uh, the child pornography and the offensive comments. So <laughs> we will be back next week. Hopefully you guys have a good week and we will talk to you soon. Yeah.